Howdy. All right. Hey, you guys, I uh, get the privilege of introducing our speaker, and we just got a chance to sing about how great our God is. And so what's going to happen here is uh, Michael's going to come up, and he's just going to continue to declare God's goodness in his teaching as he, he uh, teaches us. But let me tell you, some of you know Michael. You don't need to be introduced to him, but I want to share a few things about him. First of all, Michael was an award-winning teacher in the state of Illinois until he won enough awards that they kicked him out and sent him up north. And, uh, and so that's when we were able to get Michael. That would be, will be 20 years ago this summer. So Michael's been on staff here at Fort, will be 20 years this summer. So that's an awesome thing. In those 20 years, God has used Michael greatly in people's lives. He's basically taken our Nature Center program, started it, and developed it into the great program that it is today. If you haven't experienced it, you need to do that. <clears throat> also in that, Michael's create, put together a marine biology trip um, for our high school students. It's a great trip. And then for all, oh, and some adults, I'm sorry, Sue, I'm in trouble. Okay. And then as well, uh, Michael does our Israel trip. Michael's put together an Israel trip. And so in this, it is all about de declaring how great our God is. And, uh, and just the many opportunities to use God's creation to teach God's truth. So Michael, will you come teach us God's truth tonight and uh, declare his greatness? Thank you. Good evening. That's the way it should go. Yes, that's better. I'm going to move this so I don't knock this over and trip off the stage and move this one here too because I have a hard time standing in one spot, as some of you know. Well, I hope you got enough to eat tonight and had a lot of fun. And <gasps> Do you see what's on the table? It's a Christmas present. It's to me. Okay. Um, one of the greatest joys of having a Christmas present is the opening of the present, right? Um, can, can you come up and help me open this? So, yeah, just come on over and, and help me open this thing. So, yeah, you can actually do it. I don't want to get a paper cut, get an infection, and have to go to the hospital. Okay, it's a box. There is a box here. Ooh, nice box. Okay, and now we open up the box, and there we go. Thank you for helping me open. Look what someone got me. Isn't this awesome? Ooh, so cool. And it's, it's even got a, a button by its butt. <laughs> So lifelike. And there's, there's even another button in it. Isn't it cool? Do you like how the eyes are lighting up? The power of batteries. You can see it's very slow. That's probably why it's extinct. <laughs> but the thing is, we, we see dinosaurs, we play with dinosaurs, and dinosaurs are really 
cool things. Who, who likes to play with dinosaurs? I mean, dinosaurs are fun, right? Oh, yeah, they're really cool things. Dinosaurs are cool. But you know something? I get asked many times, how does dinosaurs fit with the Bible? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to look through our Bible. We're going to go through certain verses in the Bible and open up and pass certain passages and read and see how do we take this and fit it with what, the, what God says in his word. Is it two things totally different? Does this say that uh, if we, we believe in these, if you go to a museum today, like the Field Museum in Chicago, you know, they got dinosaur skeletons all over. If you believe in that, does that mean you can't believe in the Bible? You know, how do you explain this? That's what we're going to be talking about during this camp. And tonight, we're going to look at, in this three-part thing, the first one is just dinosaurs in the Bible, but I want to get into pretty much um, how do dinosaurs fit in the Bible? Believe it or not, I get asked this about a dozen times every single summer here during family camps. And it's mostly adults that ask me this question. A lot of adults will come down to the Nature Center and they say, Michael, I got a question to ask you. Can you please tell me? Um, and I'm thinking, okay, theological questions got to be really big and deep and stuff like this. And they're like, how do I fit dinosaurs with the Bible? And I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can work with that on that one. And that's not that hard to, to explain, really. So let's take a look at this and how dinosaurs fit in the Bible. But to begin with, let's open in prayer. Ask God to reveal himself and to do the teaching tonight. Because if you're stuck with me teaching, you're in a lot of trouble. It tells us, God tells us in the book of uh, Corinthians that it's the Holy Spirit that does the teaching. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Father, we come before you, and we just now, Lord, as we're settling down for just a few moments here, to explore your word, to look in your word, and to glean things out. But we ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to come to the answer, the correct, the true answer of how dinosaurs fit with the Bible. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just make this very, very clear and help me to, to uh, speak this clearly and so that everybody, no matter what their age in here listening, will be able to understand this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how did dinosaurs fit with the Bible? Well, Actually, the term dinosaur is not found in the Bible, and that's what usually gets a lot of people confused. You look through the Bible, you go to the concordance, and you start looking through the different words, and you look up dinosaur, dinosaur is not there. And so some people have actually told me over the years, well, dinosaurs are not in the Bible, so the Bible's against dinosaurs. It's really not a very good answer, um, because it's, it is true. The word dinosaur does not appear in the Bible. There, there's no doubt about that, but there's a reason. And, but People struggle with this. Just because the word dinosaur is not in the Bible, people will sometimes say, why should I believe the Bible at all then? Because it doesn't have the word dinosaur in there. Well, it doesn't have the word airplane either, or space shuttle, or international space station, or even the word aspirin. That doesn't mean that it's not valid. Those are all modern terms. The Bible was put together back in ancient time, you know, thousands of years ago. But the thing is, who is the author of the Bible? It's not just the people who were writing it, those different authors. It was the Holy Spirit actually teaching them and telling them and inspiring them what to write. And so if God says something about dealing with large animals that appear to be something like dinosaurs, you can bet your sweet bippy this is going to be real. So let's take a look. First of all, dinosaur is not an ancient term. The word dinosaur originated in 1841. There was a, a very famous scientist in that day. He was also a very strong Bible believer and a Christian, a creationist, we would call him today, Dr. Richard Owen. And he 
needed to come up with a, well, scientists needed to come up with a term for all these bones they started digging up out of the earth. Like, what in the world are these things? So in 1841, Dr. Richard Owen came up with the term dinosaur. 1841. That's just a little over 150 years ago. So that's where the word originated. It means like, you know, a terrible monster, terrible lizard, things like that. You know, it's, that's all there is to it. It's a modern word, just like space station. It's a modern type of term. So you're not going to find it in the Bible. You're just not going to find this word in the Bible because it's a modern term. But the Bible does mention some very large, terrifying, terrible beasts that roamed the earth. Now, the thing is, it's not going to be the word dinosaur. So there's going to be another term for it. And we can see one of these as we take a look. And if you, you can follow along on the screen as I go through the verses here, or you can mark these in your Bible. Because if you ever want to keep track of these things, make a little mark on here or take some notes and stuff. It's Job chapter 40, verse 15. And I'm using the, the New Living Translation for this because we have a lot of different ages in here. And there's a lot of uh, kids in here. And that is uh, a very, very accurate translation. And it's also one that's written on a very low um, reading level. So that's why I'm using this. And it says in Job 40, 15, take a look at behemoth, which I made, just like I made you. It eats grass like an ox. Okay. Now, what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to look at different verses. And then what we're going to do is we're going to not just look at the verses, we're going to look at what clues God is giving us about this creature. This is the first we're doing. It's behemoth. I mean, you go to the zoo today, you look for behemoth, you're not going to find it. What is a behemoth? We don't know. That's the cool thing about this. We don't know what it is. But God is going to describe what this creature is. And in this part here, in this verse, you can take a look and it says, um, it eats grass. So it's a herbivore. It's a grass here, like a rabbit, only it's a little bit bigger than a rabbit, apparently, as we keep reading this thing. So that's what this is. So as we go through a verse, look at the clues that we get. Eats grass like an ox. Now, you go to Job 40, 16, just the very next verse. It says, see its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Apparently, this thing had a big belly. And don't look at me like that. I'm not a behemoth. I'm going to zip up my coat. <laughs> yes, it has that slimming effect on me. Anyway, see the powerful loins and the muscles of his belly. So this is a creature that's got a huge belly. Okay, so we get that part. But there's more. In the next verse, God tells us more. It has a tail. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit together, uh, knit together uh, tightly together. Now, Two clues are we, we're getting here. One, and this is a very important one, a tail as, as strong as a cedar. Now, this was written back into the Holy Land. If you ever go to Israel, matter of fact, you can sign up and come to Israel. There's some people in here who, who have gone with me to Israel in the past. And hey, you're welcome to come. I'm forming a trip this May. But if you go to Israel, and if you go up to the north in the land of Galilee and, and stuff, you can sometimes see these large cedars. There's not as many today as there were in ancient times, but cedar is a big tree. We have a red cedar that's around here in the camp. You can see it at certain places. You get in around uh, on the main road going in and out of camp, there's red cedar there. There's also some back behind the nature center in the swamps. There's some red cedar. 
And cedars are big trees. Now, the cedar that was found in the Bible days, that was a huge tree. The, the cedars from the Middle East are gigantic, huge trees. Whenever people were describing something really big and, you know, massively large, they often referred to it as a cedar tree. As a symbol, like, you're as big as a cedar tree. That would probably not be a compliment. But that's what they would say. That's, it, it, it was a huge tree. Now, it's an animal that's got a tail as strong as a cedar. It has thighs, and the thighs are, are there also. So we get two clues here. Now, the thing is, I have heard some Bible teachers, uh, unfortunately, I've heard some Bible teachers, and even I've heard some pastors in sermons actually say what that verse is talking about, what this behemoth is, is a hippo. Or some other pastors have said, no, it's an elephant. Now, have you ever been to the zoo and seen a hippo? Or an elephant? Have you seen its tail? Would you call that a big, massive thing? Looks like an arrow. It's a little thing. And, you know, here I've got an illustration I'm showing, sort of an artist's conception, because these are not real pictures of an animal, of course. But you see a hippo having a massive tail, an elephant having a massive I don't think that's right. Um, I mean, could you just see walking around in the zoo this creature here? When, uh, yeah, something's wrong. You know, what did they crossbreed that thing with? But that's not, obviously, this animal is not. What God is describing in, in the book of Job is not an elephant. And, and it's not a hippo. This is the tail of a hippo. Does that, would you say, wow, look at that cedar tree. Huge. No, that's like a twig. It's like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree there. It's a little thing. So obviously, this is not right. Hippo, elephant, that is not behemoth. That is not what's being described because the description doesn't fit. Look at the next verse, verse 18. It says, its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. What this is talking about, not literally they're made of bronze and iron. It's talking about the power, how big the bones, the skeleton of the legs and the limbs of this thing is. This thing is huge, monstrous, gigantic legs and stuff. So if you take these clues... Because we don't know what a behemoth is. It's a Hebrew word where no one knows what the meaning is. But the animal that's being described here does not fit an elephant. It does not fit a hippo. You go to the zoo, it doesn't fit anything that's in the zoo. Thus, could it not be possible that this behemoth was a brachiosaur? Or for those of you who don't know what that is, a long neck. Remember, what's that TV or that they made like eight movies from? Land before time. And, you know, like long necks and stuff. Could it not be? Does that not fit? And scientists tell us they think these things were herbivores. So, because they have found some fossils with, you know, in, in some of the uh, plant material, apparently right around where their, their teeth were and stuff when the thing died. So this does seem to fit. That's got a massive tail, massive legs, big belly. Is it possible? Hmm. I believe it is. To me, this fits. Whatever behemoth is, we know it's not around today. This isn't around too much today either. So is that possible? Now, there is another creature also that I want to touch on tonight. And it's called Leviathan. What's a Leviathan? We don't know. There's no understanding of what this Hebrew word means. We just got the word Leviathan. And again, um, 
if you try to make like an elephant or you take a, uh, a hippo, or it just doesn't fit the description. There's nothing around today that fits the description. So what I want to do, very quickly, let's take a look at the verses that we find for Leviathan. And we'll look through it. By the way, we've been looking at Job. Are you all aware that Job is probably the oldest written book in the world? Uh, the, most Bible scholars believe that Job, uh, the whole story of Job, took place somewhere, most say it's between Noah and Abraham in the time frame. Now, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy was written by Moses about 1450 B.C. Job would have lived maybe even a thousand years before that. We don't know exactly when Job lived. But from the descriptions of places that are named there, it seems like it was much earlier than even um, Moses, so around the time of Abraham and after the flood. Though there are some scholars who think that Job was written before the flood. We don't know. But in any case, we're going to talk about Leviathan, and we're going to look at different verses now describing what Leviathan is. Now, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah for this one. Isaiah was written... Um, you know, in uh, around the, the 600 B.C., I'm sorry, 700 B.C. time. Now, do you see what's going on here? Job apparently was seeing this thing. Isaiah is seeing something also. Whatever he's seeing, they're, whatever these creatures are, they're actually seeing it. Which means if a brachiosaur is what behemoth was, that means... They didn't go extinct millions of years ago. They were around even when Job was being written. Did you catch that? And in this case, whatever this Leviathan in, whatever it is, in 700 B.C., apparently it was still around. Hmm. So, let's see what Isaiah says, then we'll go back into Job some more. In Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1, it says, In that day the Lord will take his terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan, the swiftly moving serpent. The coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea. Whoa. Have you ever wondered where we get these ideas about dragons and stuff? They actually are rooted back into the Bible like with this passage. Most people believe that dragons would be very similar to one of our, or many of our dinosaurs today. If one of those dinosaurs walking around, wouldn't you think that some of these people might call that a dragon? It does seem to fit. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Leviathan, what we see from this, and again, what we want to do is take a look at what's being described. Just list out the things being described. It says a serpent. That means a reptile. So we are told this is a reptile. Uh, twice, it's actually, uh, twice it says that in here. Plus, it's talking about a dragon. Usually, dragons are reptilian in the way that we think about them. But um, that's what this thing is, the swiftly moving serpent. So this thing moves very quickly, too. Did you catch that? But what else is it? What is this Leviathan? Like I said, we don't know, but it is a terrifying creature from what Isaiah just said, but there's more to it as we keep going. In Job chapter 41, we're going to see a lot. Job really describes this thing a lot. And in the verse, uh, verses 1 and 2 says, can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Now, when you do a Bible study, which is what we're doing right now, just don't read the stuff. Look at what's being said. Take note of what is being said. Notice, it says that it has jaws. And that you would be able, it sounds like, you know, you might be able to put a noose around it, but nobody's going to try that. But anyway, can you tie a rope through its nose? This thing has a nose. It has a nose. 
So, nose and it has jaws. We know that. We look at verse 7 and 8. Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? Hmm. If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the battle that follows. You will not try that again. This is a terrifying beast. That once you do it once, if you ever have an encounter with it, you'll never want to have another encounter with it. But notice what else it says. Its hide seems to be armored. It, uh, spears uh, and harpoons. Harpoons, that's a water instrument. Spears can be too, but they throw harpoons at water creatures like whales and stuff. So this is something that is really big, and apparently it is very, very scary, whatever this creature is. Look at the next verse. We go to verse 10. No, it is useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? So this creature is apparently pretty powerful. That it could be, it was something that, you know, if a hunter is going to try and, and encounter it, you're going to get knocked down doing. So this isn't some little tiny creature. Um, and it is terrifying. I mean, no one dares to disturb, disturb it. I mean, this is something that marks terror in people, whatever this Leviathan is. You go to verses 12 through 14. I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs. Ah, this thing has limbs. And it's enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide? Who can penetrate the double layer of armor? Who can pry open its jaws? For its teeth are terrible. What's this telling us? This thing has jaws. We've already accomplished that. But it's got teeth that are terrifying. Some big honking teeth in that thing. Also, it's talking about being armored. That it's armored. That sounds like scales, does it not? Like it has scales. Reptiles do have scales. And they apparently are pretty well protecting. We've said before that spears and harpoons can't really, you know, just bounce off this thing. This thing is armor-plated. This thing is big. And it has limbs. So it's not a snake. It can't be no anaconda that's like 30 feet long and it doesn't fit. No, it's got to be something different. So this thing seems to have jaws that strike terror. Now, doesn't that image there just strike terror in your heart? <laughs> of course not, because it's just a cartoon. But the thing is, these things do have jaws that were terrifying to anybody who saw it. They had big teeth. And plus, we have seen dinosaurs and other creatures that have huge teeth. So this thing had big teeth. It continues, verses 15 through 17. Its scales are like rows of shields, tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlocked and cannot be penetrated. So what is this saying? Obviously, it's got scales. But the way that the scales are, like on some fish, for instance, you have scales that overlap, one on top of the other. If you ever take your knife, you can easily just, when you clean the scales off a fish, you just go backwards from the tail to the front of the fish, and they just pop off, right? Because the scales are overlapping. This does not have scales that overlap. You'll see it says that the scales are fit together. They're tight, so tight that air doesn't even seem to go between them. So the scales are locked together is what it is. So if you took a knife, it would just run right over the thing. The scales will not come off very easily. So this creature is a little different. So it does have scales. And there are reptiles that have that type of scaling. This image I'm showing you here is a type of a snake. 
Not all snakes had scales like this, but this snake here, this is a green mamba, and that snake there, you can see the scales are not overlapping. They're actually linked together exactly as what Job is describing to us here. We're seeing the same thing. Verses 18 through 21. This is one of the most confusing passages in the entire Bible to scientists and scholars alike, because this is what it says. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heated over burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals, for flames shoot out of his mouth. Have you ever wondered where in the world they ever got the idea of fire-breathing dragons? There it is. There's where the whole idea of fire-breathing dragons come from. So now, some people might say right now, okay, you had me, Michael, until you got to this verse. I, I can't, okay, this is beyond science. You can't explain this. Actually, there are some animals that do this kind of thing. Well, for light, that's pretty easy. Who likes chasing lightning bugs in the summer? Remember doing that? Did you ever do the weird thing? My, we used to do this when I was a kid. I don't know. My, my kids would never do this. But did you ever go out and catch a bunch of them? Then you pull the light off and you stick it on your finger and you go, ooh, look, I got a glowing ring. Nobody ever did that. Oh, people have done that. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know why, yeah, you pull the abdomen off and it'll still glow for a few minutes and then you stick it because it's sticky because you just pulled the, the organs out and everything so there's all sorts of goo and everything and you stick it on your finger. I remember as a little kid taking them putting them on all my fingers like that and walking around, Lou, look at me, I have glowing fingers, I have glowing rings. How weird we were. Uh, anyway, explains a few things to probably some of you. Anyway, lightning, having light, and there's a lot of things. In the summertime as we walk through the woods, maybe some of you have been here in the, during a family camp, we used to do, in the past, we used to do some of these night hikes out through the woods. I remember one time doing a night hike, having it set up, and people walk through there, and a lot of times I would just go out and stand in the dark woods and just watch people walk by, I'd stand right on the path they couldn't see me, and they would just walk by, and I remember one time standing there, my cell phone went off. As people were walking by, they had no idea I was there. It's pitch black, and it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, as they're walking, you think there's nobody there, and my cell phone just went off. My wife was calling me, where are you? And it scared these people to death. But anyway, <laughs> but as we walk out there, I've had people say, look at the glowing thing. What's this glowing green thing? There are certain insects, certain fungies, and even certain uh, worms that glow in the woods around here in the summertime. That's true. And so glowing isn't, isn't the big thing here. It's having to do with this fire thing. It actually talks about fire. It says smoke streams from its nostrils. Um, steam, fire, its breath could kindle cold. How in the world, Michael, how do you explain that? There are some animals, they are rare, but there are some animals that actually do. If you pick one up and you hold it, you get burned you'll get a severe burn if you pick them up. Um, now, yeah, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, he's talking about a fire-breathing dragon. Sure, sure. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is the possibility that maybe they were talking, remember this thing was in, the, in water? There was a harpoons and stuff mentioned. Could it be that what it was talking about, the, the steam and stuff, maybe that's like a whale? Do you know they used to think that whales actually had fire inside of them? 
And the whalers, when they'd be out at sea and you'd see the steam coming up, we, knew, we know today it's just the moisture from its lungs because they're air-breathing mammals as it blew up. But they actually thought, in old days, they actually thought that there was um, a fire inside there and that was smoke coming out. That's not. But could that be possibly something that they're talking about? I don't know. But how about this? There are some insects, like this bombardier beetle. I'm showing you on this illustration here, and it's, one has been suspended, and a guy's taking a uh, pair of scissors and just touching the back of it, and you'll see this little poof come out. It looks like smoke or steam. Actually, what that is, is steam. It's a scalding hot liquid. If you were to take your finger and go over and grab one of these, you will get severely burned. The temperature is way above boiling water. It is hundreds of degrees hot as it spews out like that. So we know that there are some animals that have that. Here's a still picture of one showing with the steam coming out like this. You can see there's particles and stuff. This is an amazing creature that exists, and it, it produces, though you don't see flames, but you see this, this is hot enough to start, um, if, if it was used properly, you could actually start something to a fire if you use it right. This can actually burn. It burns like fire. It'd be like holding a charcoal briquette that's glowing out of your grill and grabbing it. That's what these things are capable of. And how, how does this happen? Well, God designed this. He designed certain animals to have this. Uh, you will not find this in a fossilized form because this is soft tissue. Soft tissue like this does not survive in most fossils. So you're not going to ever see this. And if we have Leviathan skull, we wouldn't be able to see any evidence of this. But what it is, it's using hydrogen peroxide with uh, certain chemicals. Um, and when it all gets mixed together, when the thing gets alarmed, all this stuff mixes together in a thing called the explosive chamber. And what comes flying out is steam. Super hot heat with steam comes out and it burns. Now, we know that there are animals, and I just showed you some, animals that do possess this. Could it not be that Leviathan had something like this? We don't know. All we're told that whatever Leviathan was, it could burn you. His breath could burn. We know that there's animals that have stuff like this. So it is possible. You'd have to agree. It is possible because we do see animals like this. But we don't know exactly what Leviathan, how this worked with Leviathan. Nobody was studying it. God was just basically telling us certain things about it. But it is a possibility that this Leviathan possibly employed a system like this or similar to it that actually could produce steaming, hot, burning gas that looks just like smoke. Look at the next verse, 22. The tremendous length in Leviathan's net. So he's got a neck. Strikes tear wherever it goes. Well, we already saw the teeth part of this. Now he's got a neck too. So yeah, this sounds scary and stuff. Um, this is a picture here from the Jurassic World movie that came out last, uh, or two years ago or whenever it came out. If you remember that one, that's the one with the guy riding on the motorcycle, running, riding around with the, the Velociraptors. Remember that? Remember the animal at the end that kills the thing? The bad dinosaur that they made? That thing, that's what this is. They had a great white shark hanging up here. This thing comes out and here. So they've made it. And, you know, the, the special effects of the movie was interesting. But in verse 25, it says, when it rises, like this animal here, rising, the mighty are afraid, gripped with terror. I, I could see that if this was what it was. Verse 30, its belly's covered with scales as sharp as glass. We've already said it. The thing has scales. It's armored. Verses 33 and 34, Leviathan makes the water boil. 
with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. I would imagine if this animal that's living in the ocean it's, or in the seas, what this Leviathan is, when he reaches up and comes back down, making a big splash or whatever, you know, that sort of sounds like that could possibly happen. Hmm. So, verses 33 and 34. Nothing on earth is its equal. Now, that's an important clue. There is no other animal in the entire world, extinct or living today, that was like this creature. No other creature so fearless. Of all the creatures, it is the proudest. It is the king of the beasts. This is not describing a lion. A lion does not have scales. And a lot of things that was described does not fit a lion. No, it's not a lion. It's not a tiger. It's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's reptilian. It has scales. It's in water and stuff. So, if we put all of the clues together, if you take every single one of the clues, if you've been writing them down or listing them, and you put those things all together, you know, for a while, I used to think that this was possibly a T-Rex living, walking around near the um, water in a swampy area. But as I sat down and I listed all of these parts, all of these descriptions, it doesn't fit a T-Rex because even Jurassic Park has shown us that there are some animals that are more terrifying than a T-Rex. And this thing apparently is the most terrifying of all. So could it be possible that it was a mosasaur? That's the thing in Jurassic World that comes up and eats. They keep it in the aquarium thing and it comes up. This is a modern artist's rendition of what this creature looked like. So it has a neck, it has limbs, as you can see. We have no idea what the tail was shaped like or whatever. Um, it had massive jaws. And the mosasaur is considered by paleontologists, people who study dinosaurs and stuff, I did some research on this, and they often say this creature would have had no equal. Not even a T-Rex. Well, you just know that in a movie at the end, you know, the thing... T-Rex comes up the shore, or the thing comes up very close to the edge of the pool, and it just swallows it down. Could this be Leviathan? For certain, every clue fits with the, with the one that we can't really know about, that fire-breathing thing. We don't know what was set up in this thing. We have no idea. Did it have something that was like the bombardier beetle or some other animals that can produce steam? We don't know. But it is possible Scientifically, this fits with the description being given. Fits better than any other animal and, um, I've come across and I've studied. So a mosasaur. And it's not, you, you see Mosa, you think, ooh, Moses in the Bible. That's not what that's from. It's actually from, uh, it was, the first skeleton was found in France by the, um, the Meuse River. Is that how you say that? Meuse, River Meuse in France. It was found, the skeleton, the first one they found was there. And so that's a Latin thing for that river, and that's how it gets the name. But is that not Leviathan? We don't know. We have no idea. But it very well, the Bible does describe two creatures, a behemoth and a Leviathan. You won't see the word dinosaur. But is it possible that the Bible is describing dinosaurs? It makes a lot of sense. But that leads us to another question then. If that's true, if Job, Isaiah, 
were describing this, and Isaiah is even talking about this thing, that means that these things were around when man was around? Well, that's the question we're going to talk about tomorrow. Is there any evidence, scientific evidence, to support what we just got done reading here, that man and dinosaur lived together at the same time? That's what we're going to touch tomorrow. Tomorrow night with that one. I'm going to show you some fascinating things. I'm going to blow your socks off tomorrow, so you better come with your shoes tied, because this is going to be the coolest thing you ever saw. But I'm going to close in prayer, and then I think there's a couple more announcements going to be given, but I'm going to close this in prayer now at this time. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have, and Lord, your word is so amazing. And these, these animals that are described, they're obviously nothing on the planet today that's like this, but there were animals in the past that are now hopefully extinct. But Lord, that means that people and dinosaurs were living together at the same time. I ask that your spirit just help us to see this, these passages tonight and what were, was being described as being, this is very likely dinosaurs being described in the Bible. So Lord, help us to trust your word. Your word is not a science textbook, but you are the author and the creator of science. So you're not going to make a science error. We're these dinosaurs, God. It sure seems like it. So keep us safe throughout this, this evening, Lord, and also keep us safe with the extreme cold that we have. But Lord, may your spirit continue to put this upon our hearts and our minds tonight, even as we go to bed. No nightmares, please, but Lord, help us to think about these. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.